Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thank you so much for joining the podcast yet again. And I'm here with a new friend of mine, Michael Clipper. Michael, thank you so much for making time for the Boca community today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm, I'm actually really excited to get into this conversation today because we're going to be talking about how to run a financially healthy business. And, and it's, a, it's a loaded topic. So obviously, we're only going to get so far with it. But I'm, I'm excited to kind of introduce our listeners to this topic. It's something that we've alluded to on multiple occasions, but never really got into in detail. So we're going to go there in just a bit. But like we do with all of our guests, I want to start off with something that I call our technique for time or tool for time. And uh, for yourself yeah. as a business owner, you own a, a financial firm. What is something that you do on a, on a regular basis that enables you to create space in your life for yourself and for your family? Yeah, yeah. Scheduling, like just having a, a business calendar we have a decent amount of clients now and our business is continuing to grow. And the, the more we grow, the more important it is to schedule clients far in advance to just kind of game plan. And a part of that scheduling is building in time for like for life. Cause I could literally schedule our, myself from eight in the morning to eight at night oh, every yeah. day. Yeah. And then have, and great. It's everything's going great on the business side, but then I don't see my kids. I don't see my wife and that's, that's not going to be good for anyone. So just, just kind of being a thoughtful about scheduling, you know, when I'm seeing clients, making sure I leave myself enough time to get between clients or have clients overlap if they're coming out to the office and scheduling myself basically like, like an employee. You know, the, the, my company engaged CPAs is, I'm the owner of the company, but I, I kind of treat myself as an employee of the company and I kind of schedule myself as if I'm anyone else that works here. So I, you know, I schedule myself like on a nine to five day and make sure I have time to go home and have dinner with my family and, you know, hang out with the kids and, and just, you know, not overdo it because it's really easy to just like, oh, I got to see this client. I got to see this client. Oh, I haven't seen them in two months. I got to make sure I, I, oh, I can see three clients in a day. And I, I have learned the hard way that if you try to overdo it, first of all, you're not going to be fresh for your clients. You're not going to, you know, be able to give them your best. And then you're, when you go home, you're not going to be fresh and you're not going to be able to, you know, separate from the business and actually like focus on, you know, honestly, what's most important, which is family. So yeah, for sure. That's, that's what we try to do. Well, and, and first of all, there's been a theme with regards to the answer to this first question over the last few episodes, uh, this notion of being proactive and simply scheduling 
uh, your your day or your week uh, because that that notion of proactivity versus simply just reacting to everything because like you said it's easy to get caught up in business you could easily work all day long but that is a very reactive yep. mentality or approach to business that can easily eat you alive as a business owner so the simple notion of proactively scheduling your time as almost obvious as it sounds not enough business owners yep. or photography business owners are doing that consistently and I'm glad that you point out not just your family life, your personal life suffers, but even your business suffers as a result. Uh, there's got 100%. to be at, at least some type of, I hate to say the word balance because that's so subjective and, and maybe even yep. kind of arbitrary, but there's, there's got to be a split between that, that business, the time that you're dedicated or you're giving to your business and that time that you're dedicated to your personal life, to your family, your friends. It's important that we have a, a healthy mix of all of the above. Yeah. And I'm glad that this has been a theme. Yeah. And it's, you know, obviously with technology where we have our calendars with us at any time and we could share our calendars with, you know, everyone at work and we can share in our calendars with our spouses. It does make it like, there's really no excuse to, right. to not like have everyone be in the loop and make sure like, like my wife, all the time will be like, Oh, I see you're supposed to be, you're going to be an hour away from the house and your meeting starts at like two o'clock. And what time are we expecting you home? You know, uh, are you picking up one of our daughters from gymnastics? And it's like, huh. It's like, she knows what's up and she knows what's <laughs> going on. And like, it keeps me like, Oh yeah, I guess I didn't really schedule that great. And then I I'll change it and I'll, I'll adjust the timing accordingly. So it's, you know, anyone that says they have it completely figured out and does it perfectly, I don't know that they're being 100% honest, but for sure, it's, you know, there, there's a lot of good tools and just communication to making sure that everyone's on the same page and, and the schedule's good. And, you know, sending people invites through the calendar is so valuable for us to make sure, like, oh, that client didn't, uh, didn't, you know, accept the invitation. And, um, you know, because, you know, people cancel meetings all the time and then that just changes the whole schedule. And so you have to be able to did kind of adapt on the fly. And but, you know, it, it keeps it interesting. Well, because, there's there's a certain amount of accountability there, as you pointed out, which is, is good. And, and also you mentioned tools or technology. Is there a particular calendar system that you're using? Are you just using Google Calendar? What, what, what does it look like? Our work calendar is Google, Google Calendar. And then we, we use Outlook as kind of our email calendar platform in the office so it's sunk up to our google calendar and then you know my wife and i have this this widget on our phones so that like our whatever's going like the next four things we have on our calendar this kind of is like the uh, desktop on both of our phones so yeah. we know exactly what's going on and it's highlighted so it kind of it helps us there so it's you know it's 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 great that like i i'm very pro technology and i think there's a lot of ways to make sure stay on on task. Well, and, and again, it may seem like an obvious point, but we, we live in 2018 where we have this wonderful technology that, as I've pointed out in past episodes, it's either free or inexpensive. There's really no excuse, as you said earlier, not to be taking advantage of these tools for the sake of not only efficiency in the way that we run our business, effectiveness in the way that we run our business, but ultimately creating that freedom and that flexibility that is really the probably the biggest benefit of running our own business, that, that sense of control, if you will. Uh, we, we almost take that away from ourselves by not taking advantage of these tools. And so I think it's a, a great recommendation and reminder from you to, to do just that. Speaking of free time, how do you, I mean, you create this space for yourself, this time for yourself, for your family. How do you all like to spend time together? 
Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm a pretty simple guy. I I just like hanging out with my wife, hanging out with my kids. We we have a front porch on our house that like my favorite thing to do on non work days is basically go out on the front porch and drink coffee in the morning with my wife. Oh yeah. We we live kind of on a cul-de-sac and the kids play in the cul-de-sac and there's a ton of kids in the neighborhood and everyone's just pretty much out on their front porch drinking their coffee and the kids are doing their thing. And it's just, that's where, that's my happy place. It sounds perfect. It's perfect. I mean, it's, I'm very simple. I like, we have a back patio that has a fire pit. So we'll, we'll spend some evenings on the fire pit. Uh, on the weekend, we'll spend mornings on the front porch, and you know, it's just eating dinners is really important. Like going out, we, my family loves food. We're, we're definitely foodies, and we love to you know try new restaurants and have the kids try different kinds of food, even though they're incredibly picky little girls. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just kind of just trying to enjoy life and, and focusing on the family and and. Uh, and, and that's pretty much it. Well, you know, you mentioned being a, a simple guy. I would, I would kind of categorize myself similarly. And, and one of the things that I've become more sensitive to in recent years is the incredible amount of significance that I realize that our culture, at least in the U.S. anyway, that the incredible amount of significance that we give to things that really at the, in the bigger picture uh, scheme of things just don't hold that much significance, you know, and, and when you yep. get back to focusing on the simple interactions with the people that are in front of you and then community, yep. maybe in a little bit larger scale, whether it's your neighborhood or uh, for example, I'm spending time pretty consistently these days with our local photography community, those simple yeah. connections, the opportunity to be able to connect in one way or another to enjoy a meal together. It's tough to yep. beat that. You know, the, those, the, the conversations on the front porch or roasting marshmallows in the, in the fire pit. I mean, that kind of stuff yep. I just can't get enough of. And I think that our lives would be a lot less stressful and anxiety filled if we focused on, on the basics uh, and really actually prioritize I 100% them. agree. Yeah. I 100% agree. I mean, I work, I'm, I'm definitely a hard worker and I, I do work a lot, but like, that's the reason I'm doing it. You know, it's, yep. it's not for as much as I love doing what I do for a living, I'm doing it so that I can kind of spend this time and enjoy this time and and, you know, go on vacations with the family and, and, and that's, that's where it's at. That's the, that's the most important thing at the end of the day. Like that's the reason to be a success and to have a, a healthy business for any of our clients is to like, to do the stuff we want to do. And obviously that's going to be different for, for everyone. You know, everyone has different priorities and different things they want to do with their life. And some people want to travel the world and see different exotic places. And some people want to sit on the front porch and, and drink coffee. Uh, and there's no right answer or wrong answer. It's just, you know, having the ability, you know, from the success of your business to be able to do whatever it is that you want to do, I think is, is a great thing. Yeah. It's, it's easy. I think, especially for somebody who's just getting into business to, uh, to just kind of be short-sighted in the sense that all they can think about and understandably so is I've got to just make enough money to pay the bills. Uh, but right. our, our we we should all in one way or another set certain financial goals that give us again that freedom and that flexibility on a financial level to not only spend the time that we want to with those that are closest to us but also to have those experiences um that that we can share in with those that are close to us uh, that we can speak back to that we can learn from those are those are so so important and and so I'm glad that you make that point I I'm curious how long you've been in business as a CPA how did you get started how did you start your company tell us yeah. a little bit of the backstory 
Sure, sure. So I I went to college in Boston. I'm from Philadelphia area, suburbs of Philly. I decided to go up to college at Northeastern University. And one of the cool things about Northeastern is while it's one of the few schools in the country, and Drexel uh, University also does this in Philly, where while part of your college curriculum is you do basically paid internships for so at six months you're in class and six months you go work for a company. So it's the reason that I went to, to Northeastern and the second internship that I did, I had no interest in public accounting whatsoever. I took up an accounting course in high school and accounting just immediately made sense to me. It's just one of those things where like, I was a good student, but not like an amazing student, but accounting just made, like it just made sense. My dad owned a small business. He, he had an accountant and the accountant mentioned to him that he was interested in bringing on an intern. And it was just one of those things where it was like, I don't really want to do public accounting, but I need the credit and it'll be something for the resume. And I'll go, I'll go kind of just check this out. I'll work six months at this company, say I have the experience and all is well. And so I did this, this six month internship at this small public accounting firm, only three person firm. It was like, okay, I, I can actually see myself doing this. Like I sort of, there was a lot about it that I didn't understand when I thought like, oh, there's no way I'm going to want to do this. I didn't realize how much accounting was really about just, you know, relating to people and communicating to people and figuring out, you know, what they're trying to accomplish and then taking those numbers and explaining them and, you know, how much effect a good accountant could have on someone's business. And so at the end of that six month period, I was like, Hmm, this is interesting. I, I might, this might be a road I want to go down. So Upon graduating from college, I basically had two routes. I had an opportunity to go in, to work for the FDIC, which is like a quasi-government agency, where I could work for this tiny little accounting firm. And it just like it just felt right to go the the tiny accounting firm route. And I did that. That was you know 14 plus years ago. And I spent some time there. I spent about four and a half years at another slightly larger firm to get some additional experience in, in different kinds of accounting. And then with about nine years of experience working for other people, I learned a lot of I learned, I learned a lot of really good things, but I also learned a lot of things that I thought could be done better in public accounting. And I thought where public accounting firms in general were kind of missing the boat. I mostly took the stuff that I learned that you shouldn't do. And I said, I'm not going to do these things. I think there's a better way to do this. And I created my firm and that was about five years ago. And, you know, we continue to improve where we haven't perfected everything, obviously, but really happy with where we're at. And I really love, I love small business accounting. And we really focus on the stuff that I think is most valuable for clients and really kind of set up our relationships with the clients in a way that I think is a little different than a traditional accounting firm. And I think it's, it's to our advantage. That's, that's sort of how, how it got in here. So, so you mentioned the significance of relationships earlier, and this is interesting. Uh, I mean, the, the topic of relationships is kind of a theme that runs through our, our podcast anyway. And, and, you know, as, as artist types who, who listen and photographers who listen and they, they think about a CPA 
and relationships may not be the, the first thing that comes to mind. I think it's funny how at the end of the day, it really is just that it all comes back to relationships, both on a professional level and certainly on a personal level. But is that something that enabled you to be able to, I mean, you alluded to this, but I'm curious what it looks like. You talked about the significance of how you approach relationships in a different way uh, as a business. How does that look different yeah. than those other CPA firms out there? I mean, this is something we talk about in the podcast, the notion of a brand position, how you set yourself apart from another yep. company. Yeah. And uh, I'm wondering how you guys have done that. Yeah, we do it in a couple of different ways. So in in working for two firms over a nine-year period, I felt like the accountant, and you could, uh, this is also probably true in some ways of like the lawyer relationship, um, financial planner relationship, the accountant relationship, you know, professionals, white-collar professionals, and communicating to their clients. I, I always felt like there was a some disconnect and I, I, everything we do here, we come at from the consumer perspective. So like, what would we want if we were on the other side of the table? So one, one thing that I learned early on in my career was that first of all, clients want to know what they're getting upfront. They want to know what the scope of the work is and they want to know what the cost of that is. And I think that's huge because you can have an amazing relationship with your accountant and both firms I worked with in most cases had, did really good work and had good relationships while they were out at the client um, doing the work and communicating for the client. But where the disconnect was, was they would say, okay, you know, we project our cost for your work is going to be $10,000. And then they would go and they would do the work and it would take them 20% longer to actually do the work. And instead of it being a $10,000 bill, a month after they did the work, they sent an invoice for $12,000. And now it's like all that goodwill that you built up and yeah. all that time you spent with that relationship, you just killed it by like this client getting this bill a month later that's like, whoa, this is like a lot more than you said it was going to be. What What's the deal with this? And then you have to explain and then you have to potentially write off the difference to, you know, to save that relationship. And then like, they, they don't care that you, what you did and why it took longer. They just know like, this is a lot more than you said it was going to be. Yep. I, and, and I have to, I have to interject here. So there are a couple of points yeah. that are interesting to me. First of all, what you're talking about, really, we could sum up and with the phrase managing expectations appropriately yep. or effectively. Um, if we don't, proactively manage our clients' expectations from the get-go, clearly communicating what service it is that we offer, what that process looks like, and then making sure that they feel taken care of through that whole process. Uh, we, we stand to kind of lose in that in that relationship. And I, I think that's really, really important. Oh, I, I agree. Yes. And, and, and as a result, of course, our, our business can can potentially suffer. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. And, you know, at the end of the day, I know that like if I have construction done at my house, like if I have my basement finished and the contractor comes out and says it's going to cost $30,000 and then at the end of the month-long process it costs $40,000, I'm going to be like, you know. You're going to be frustrated. The, to, yeah. I'm going to be more than frustrated. Yeah, I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be throwing things. But yeah, and it's like I as a consumer comment that as like I want to know before you do anything, what the scope is and what 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 that cost is, and and it's really not that difficult to to do that. I mean, as long as you clearly understand not, what service you're offering and and you're just proactive in communicating that, both right. probably in writing, but then also in person, 
Um, it, it, there's Agreed. really no excuse for not doing it. The other thing that you pointed out there that was interesting to me is is the fact that a client, if you do in some form or fashion mismanage expectations or screw up in any other way as a business owner, the client doesn't care about the reasons why. And this is something exactly. that, I, that I just saw happen in an online interaction uh, yes, just yesterday uh, in a Facebook group was somebody was was essentially trying to defend themselves for uh, their business's behavior rather than just mm-hmm. and, and kind of explain it away rather than just simply empathizing with that client uh, right. the behavior of the business, how they fell short, and then explaining to them very quickly um, not only how they're going to be compensated for that, but also how they're going to make up for that, what they're going to do to address that particular issue in their business um, so that that client knows that that they actually, this, this business owner actually cares, right? It's so easy to yep. get defensive and understandably so. Sometimes maybe that client's in the wrong, but at the end of the day, if we're not very, very quick to empathize and then just simply address the issue at hand, again, we stand to kind of lose as a, as a business owner. And so I'm glad you make that point as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I sort of, you know, and this isn't always 100% true, but, you know, the, the concept of the customer is always right. Like we try to use that um, as much as possible and like work in a way that like the client's always going to be satisfied. And if anything happens, we'll take the blame for it, even if it, we shouldn't. So, so in that, in that mindset, um, my feeling was that the, the advantage accountants have over a lot of businesses is that for the most part, their work is recurring. Meaning if we have a client and we help them review their books, and we help them do tax planning, and we help them do their tax returns, and we're available to them to answer questions throughout the year, like, typically, that's not a one-off. That's like an annual thing that needs to be done. So you're building, so if you do a good job, and you're, you communicate properly, the advantage is you sort of know what that time commitment is, and if you, if you manage it right, that client should be with you for years and years and years to come. So what we do to kind of allude, uh, you know, fix that, you know, the, the accountant is, you know, keeping track of their time. And then you get an invoice for more than was expected is we don't have any timesheets. We don't keep time. We don't do time billing. Everything is fixed fee. It's, this is the scope. This is what we charge. And if we go over that time, that's on us. And oh, by the way, if we're more efficient than we expected, then, then that's cool too for us. So we just want our clients to know exactly what the fee is. And what the scope is, because we don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on the client. We want to focus on not tracking our time, but tracking like how the client's doing, what is happening financially, and just putting 100% of our energy into that relationship and not thinking at all about the billing side of it or the invoicing side of it or why something took longer than we planned it to take. And, And at the end of the day, Sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes it takes a little less long, and it, you know, it all kind of evens out over time. Sure, and that's why we do it that way. Yeah, well, and, and naturally, somebody who is going to a, a CPA or an accounting firm is—I mean, there is that kind of stereotype that you know, an accountant or a CPA is going to be this dry personality who's only numbers driven. And you guys are kind of breaking right. that that mold. Where, uh, first of all, I have to—I have to say, like, it's interesting that you understand the time cost to your business because of the repetitive nature of your business. And photographers are actually in a very similar place in this sense. They know how long on average it takes to handle a portrait client or to handle a wedding client. So 
creating that awareness upfront is important for the sake of then being able to to kind of proactively manage your time and make sure that you're not getting used. But the flip side of that is it then frees you up to do the very thing you're talking about, which is to focus on the relationships. And, and I love that that is a yeah. focus. And and speaking of the, the similarities to photographers in the photography industry, I mean, you're, you're, accounting firm works with creatives, especially with photographers. What was it that you drew you specifically to our industry? We like working with interesting people. Like our job is basically to communicate. I mean, 95% of what I do is sit down and just talk to people about their numbers, about what's going on in their life, about what we're trying to accomplish, about setting goals. And it's interesting to work with people that are a lot different than you. And the reality is I am not a creative. I, I, I was not blessed with, you know, any artistic ability. And I, I live vicariously through our clients in a lot of ways. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, and our clients are so interesting and, um, and we provide a service that a lot of them did not necessarily go to school for. So, and they, and I think what we do well and what we try to do well is communicate in a way that, you know, make sense and that they can use information that benefits them. And so it's a, it's a reciprocal relationship because we, we you know, we're providing a service that's going to help them and is in an area that most of our clients don't have, you know, accounting degrees or, or business degrees often. And we, they utilize us for that. And we get, um, obviously we get them as a client and we get a fee for that, but we also get that interesting, like there's so many interesting creative clients that we have and it just keeps what we do interesting and enjoyable. And like, you know, I look at our client roster and I'm just, it's unbelievable. I mean, 95% of the posting that we do in social media on like Facebook and Instagram is just like kind of highlighting the crazy, awesome stuff that our clients are doing. And that's like, it's the best advertising in the world because our clients <laughs> are so awesome yeah. and are creating all these amazing, whether it's food, whether it's photography, graphic design, like they're just like unbelievable. And we really are in awe of them. It's, it's really cool. Well, that's cool. And it's neat to hear the passion kind of come through in your voice too, as you're talking about, about this clients, specifically photographers, what would you say are the biggest points? And we're just going to kind of get into this, this topic of, running a financially healthy business here, what would you say is are the biggest struggles or difficulties for photography business owners when it comes to finances? So the biggest struggle that, that I have seen, and it kind of goes back to what I was talking about, which is different with our business, is, you know, because typically a typical photography for company, and I'll just use like a wedding photography business as an example, you know, a typical wedding photographer, it's, not recurring business. You know, every year is kind of a new year and every year, although, you know, you're getting referrals from past clients, every year is in and of itself. And so cash flow, and also it's also a seasonal business to a certain degree, depending on where it is located. So it's understanding that like, okay, in the spring and the fall, there's a ton of money coming in, but then in the winter and the summer, there's not so much money coming in, making sure that there's enough money set aside in the bank account to cover those lean months and to pay that owner or owners, whatever they, whatever they're looking to take out of the business. 
and just game planning appropriately for that. So I would say the cash flow conversation is something that we talk about with our clients all the time and, and kind of try to project as much as possible, you know, okay, you know, one of the things we do that's always built into the service we provide is kind of tax planning. And it, what goes along with that is, okay, it's May 18th. There's, you know, seven plus months left of the year between now and the end of the year. What do you expect is going to come in? What do you know is coming in sales-wise? How many more jobs do you think you're going to book between now and the end of the year? How many deposits do you expect to get for 2019? And then we take that and we, we figure out what the expenses are. And then we say, okay, well, this is where you're at right now. This is what you're telling me you expect is going to happen between now and the end of the year. This is where you should be at at the end of the year. And I think that is maybe the most valuable thing we do because it's, you really, I mean, if you're a business owner, it doesn't matter whether it's photography business or not. You have to, you have to live in the moment, but you also have to look ahead and you have to plan and you have to plan for the worst. And if it works out a lot better than the worst, then you're going to be in really good shape. But always plan for, okay, well, I'm expecting to book, you know, five more weddings between now and the end of the year. And if it's only two, you got to plan for two and make sure that there's enough money set aside so that if it is only two, you are not borrowing money from family or going out and get a line of credit or whatever, right. you know, some businesses obviously have to do. Well, and again, this is the difference between a business owner who is proactive versus reactive, right? right? And, and yep. you talked about business owners or photographers being in the moment. And it's true. That is just a, a tendency that um, I think we have. Uh, I mean, I've, I've certainly been guilty of it as well, especially when it came to money. Um, but the reality is if we're going to create not only a business doing what we love, but a sustainable business, we have to look at the big picture. This is true when it comes to goals, uh, and it, which of course trickles down to the business model that we create, the clients that we're going after. But then certainly when it comes to managing our finances, we have to look at the big picture. We have to think about yeah. cash flow. That's so, so important. And then to even go further than that, the big picture thinking about, okay, I, let's say I'm a 30 year old wedding photographer and business is amazing. And I'm booking, you know, 40, 50 weddings a year. And I've got a couple associate shooters and, you know, cash flow is great. I could pay all my bills. I'm, you know, I'm making a nice salary. Then you start thinking ahead, like, okay, what does this business look like when I'm 40? What yeah. does it look like when I'm 50? Like, how do I, how do I turn this? You know, you don't see a ton, you see them, but you don't see a ton of 50, 55-year-old wedding photographers. And, you know, it's a grueling business. It's carrying around heavy equipment. Like, the body can only take so much. So game planning, both short-term, you know, short-term being like one to five-year period, and then also long-term, like, okay, what's our 15-year game plan? What are we trying to accomplish? What, what, what steps do we need to take to make this more of a passive income stream um, business where I can still pull a salary, but I'm not going out and shooting, you know, 35 weddings a year myself. Yeah. So it, that's, those are also conversations we have. It, it's yeah. It's easy to get excited about the incoming money, especially when it's really good and not think again, long-term as you were saying, I, I don't know how much of this is true for other photographers and business owners, but I didn't grow up in a financially rich family. And so when I started yep. to, to make, you know, even see a, a check be handed to me for a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars, three thousand. 
these were really, really big numbers to me. And there was this natural inclination, again, just to kind of be in the moment, as you were talking about earlier, and be really, really excited about that money right now, and then maybe what I can go do with that money. And and, and to be fair, I mean, I was was only about 20, I think, one when I started my business. So I was just all around very immature. But I just had a very limited perspective when it came to managing my finances, and certainly a very short-sighted one. And I wasn't thinking about the longer term and, and not only cash flow, but what this meant down the road. Yeah. Now I'm working not only on my my company, Photographer's Edit, and working on growing that, but I've got two additional uh, kind of longer term business ideas that I'm working for the sake of the long run. And and I yep. also mentioned you use the word passive income, and this is a word that is that I've used a lot over the years. Um, it's it's one that became I think pretty popular when a book called The Four Hour Work Week. Uh, came out. Yep. Uh, Tim Ferriss wrote this a number of years ago. And it was interesting because at the time that the book came out, I was in the process of creating Photographer's Edit largely for that purpose. I was a wedding photographer. I shot for about 10 years, but I wanted to create a company that would generate income for me yeah. in a more passive manner that would give me more freedom, more flexibility. But the thing that I that I kind of lost perspective on was what that idea of passive income meant. I I was able to build the business to a place where I was only working three or four hours a week at times. But what I what I didn't think about again was a longer term and and actually putting a little bit more time and energy and investment into that business for the sake of a longer term sustainability. And I missed out on opportunity to to have grown the company five or ten X where it is now because I was a bit short sighted with with this obsession with passive income, this idea that I could have the freedom to just kind of sit around right. and do whatever. And um and and as opposed to maybe spending yeah. an additional ten hours a week growing that company. So the idea of passive income yep. is is that idea very simply that you that you were sharing a second ago, which is that you don't physically have to be involved in your business twenty four seven. We're not suggesting that you create a company that doesn't involve you working, but simply something that is right. much more sustainable. And certainly as you get a little bit older, um yeah. it frees you up a little bit to uh, kind of minimize the physical burden that comes from from being a wedding photographer. Absolutely. And one of the things we talk about with our clients a lot, especially, I feel like I've been talking about this over the last year more and more. And, you know, one of the things that being a business owner and, and owning my own business, and it, first of all, it helps me really relate to our clients that are small business owners, but the thought process is constantly changing. Like, you're, I'm no different than any business owner that is constantly learning and thinking about things differently. So one of the concepts that, that we talked a lot, a lot about recently is the idea of Yes, your business is making you money. Your business is what's putting food on the table and it's paying your health insurance and all your bills. And it is the, you know, the engine for that. But it's also, your business is also an asset. And I think a lot of small business owners, and I will say a lot of photographers, don't necessarily think in those terms of, oh, this business is an asset, meaning if I invest in this asset, if I put sweat equity into it, and if I put capital into it, whether that's buying equipment or bringing on employees, and I and I build that brand up, it's not just something that necessarily in the future makes you money, but it's something that can grow and that whether it's passive income and you are not actively involved in the business, but it's still you still own it and it's generating money for you and you can pull you know, a salary or a distribution from it, or it's something that you build up to the point where this business now has a value. The name means something and I can sell that. I can sell that to people that are working in the business. I can sell that to people outside 
outside of our area that want to market share in that specific area, it's, it's, it doesn't have to just be that, that business that pays your yearly salary. It right. can be something a lot bigger than that. And that's, I think, a concept we've you know, really been talking a lot about with our clients. Well, and, and it's, it is something definitely to consider, especially for somebody who wants to be in business for themselves over the longer term. There's a very popular, very well-known book called The E-Myth. And then there was a kind of a second version that came out called The E-Myth Revisited, which largely focuses on this idea of, of building not only a sustainable business, uh, but potentially even one that would enable you to, to sell later on. And it's not something, again, that probably most photographers think about, but in order to be an all-around business, you have to think about the long-term. That is potentially one of the yep. options. Regardless, though, for the sake of this efficiency and the freedom, the flexibility that, that we've been talking about today and talk about on an ongoing basis here at the podcast, we do have to think about creating a business that is sustainable, especially when it comes to the amount of time that we have to invest in it on an ongoing basis. It's important to be very proactive in that matter, to be intelligent. And I can't recommend the Emeth uh, Revisited book enough. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. So let's kind of transition and and make this really practical and and again, proactive for listeners. What are three or four things that they can do right this second um, that would make a difference in the way that they're managing their finances, the finances for their business, and and potentially, of course, that that even translates to their personal finances. What are some of those things that they can do right away? The first thing, and, and this is like pretty much consistent, we recommend this to every client that that works with engage is you know have a good accounting system set up so what we typically recommend i mean the most obvious one and the most common one and in my opinion the best one is quickbooks online um it's such a powerful tool like it's it's because i've been in public accounting for 15 years i know i worked in days before like accounting systems were online like it was Accounting systems weren't online. You literally had to go out to your client, and if anything was off, you would spend hours trying to figure out like what was off, why it wasn't reconciled. QuickBooks Online, first of all, it's just a great, easy system for photographers to use, link up their bank accounts, download all the transactions, categorize them, and then be able to run any kind of reports that you want to see. Oh, what was my profit and loss from January through April 2018 compared to January through April 2017? I mean, it's amazing tools to see where you're actually spending your money and where your money is coming in from. Um, the advantage of it being an online system is, you know, whoever your account is can go to the login and access it, and you can have up-to-date, real-time books at any second, and you can access it from your phone. You can get paid on your phone like it's, it's just such a, you just come so far in how easy it is to actually have like a legit, you know, profit and loss and balance sheet for any kind of business. It's, it's, I think it's one of the greatest things in the world. Well, and you mentioned being in, in the system for 15 years, in the industry for 15 years now, and I think back 15 years and what QuickBooks used to look like being a, <laughs> a, a piece of desktop software, first of all. And then, yeah. as you mentioned, right. like if you had to share that information with an accountant, I still remember like when I'd have to export a file and then burn that to a CD <laughs> and then take that CD to my accountant. Uh-huh. The fact that it's so easily accessible now, not only to, to photographers as there are 
on the road. They can they can handle their finances on the go, mobily or otherwise. Yeah. But then also to be able to share that information with their accountant, so that, like you said, that information is is consistently up to date. That's yeah. really important. The other thing that that you mentioned too, and maybe you're going to dive into this in even more detail. But uh, the reality is that I think most photographers, business owners, and I certainly speak from experience, um, is their their kind of their mentality and approach when it comes to working with a CPA or an accountant and even using something like QuickBooks is I just need to put the numbers in there so I can do my taxes. And that's kind of where it, that's kind of where it ends. The reality is as, as a business owner, again, if we're going to be thinking big picture, we're thinking long term, and we're going to be proactive in the way that we're managing our business, we need to actually be aware of the numbers, uh, what the numbers are, first of all, and then what that says about our business B or number two. And then number three, we should then be able to, to create a strategy and actionable plan that, that improves those numbers as a result of the information that we're seeing in front of us. Right. A hundred percent. I couldn't, couldn't have said it better. I always say this to our clients, like the taxes are just a byproduct of everything else. that's actually important. Like every dollar that comes in after you pay your expenses, you get to keep about 65 to 70% of it. So like, let's just, let's just call what it is. This, and this is actually an area that I think messes with a lot of, especially newer, newer business owners, newer photography business owners, is the idea that, like you said before, like, oh, we're able to, like, bill out, you know, $1,000, $2,000, $4,000 for, for a wedding package. It's a lot of money when you first start a business. So there's a couple things with that. First of all, that $4,000 that came in, probably 10 to 15% of that is going to go out the door for, you know, second shooters and print costs and album costs. So you're left with about 85% of that, 80 to 85% of that is going to be your gross profit. Then you got overhead expenses, you got, you know, insurance and professional fees and auto expenses and all that kind of stuff. Um, Even a small photography uh, studio is going to have twelve to $15,000 a year of overhead expenses. So now you're not left with that $4,000. Whatever you are left with, let's say it's $3,000 of that $4,000, 30% of that doesn't belong to you. And that's like a very important concept because people yeah. like, you're basically just holding that 30% for the IRS and whatever state you live in. And just like know that that's not yours. I think that's actually the most important thing is the concept of this money that's sitting in my bank account, not all that belongs to me. And like once clients like kind of get that concept of, okay, not all this money is mine. I'm either going to pay in quarterly or I'm going to have withholding on my payroll. That's huge. But just taking that back to QuickBooks is that's the tool that helps you understand like what you are making per job and what your gross profit percentage actually is and what, what that actually means. And if I, if I did 20 jobs last year, 20 weddings last year, and this year I'm on pace to do 30 weddings, what does that actually mean? Because I might be billing out an extra $40,000, but what am I actually left with after, you know, I've paid for all my costs? And, and you know, a good accounting system like a QuickBooks Online, obviously a good accountant that can explain that to you and go over it with you and teach you how to use it efficiently so you're not intimidated by the, the system. Um, cause it can be scary. Like I, if I wasn't an accountant and I didn't, and I owned my own business and I, I didn't know QuickBooks and I didn't know, you know, tax law and that kind of stuff, like it is intimidating. It is scary. Like I, but it doesn't have to be. And it, 
when it's not and when you get in front of it, it's actually we found it's very empowering for people to to make decisions with their business if they they know what to expect and they know what you know ten extra weddings actually means to their bottom line. And then once you know that, the next step is then now you make informed decisions. Now you're not just like your business is kind of like organically doing its thing, but you're actually like making informed decisions that are, you know, improving your situation and improving your long-term company's decision. And all that goes back to having like a strong accounting platform. And the last thing is setting goals. One of the first things, anytime we have a new client meeting, one typically one of the first things we'll ask is what are we doing? Why, why do you have this business? Like what, okay, I get it. You, you, you know, you got to pay for your rent. You got to pay for your mortgage. But like, you could have done that by going out and getting a job. Like, <laughs> why, yeah. why, why did you start this business? What is, what's the long game? Like, what are we trying to accomplish here? And I think you don't, by the way, if you don't have an answer for that, that's okay. Like not everyone's going to know exactly what they want to do, but I do think it's important to think about it and, and, and start planning little things. Maybe you take one year at a time. Maybe you say, okay, in 10 years, this is where I want to be financially. This is where I want my business to be. All right. What does that actually look like? What do we have to do in sales? What do, how, how much do I have to grow my team to actually get there? And, and that's where that proactivity comes in, into play. Well, I, I want to, so I'm going to comment on both of these things that you talked about, both the financial management side, specifically using, having a system in place, uh, but then also setting goals. First of all, you mentioned the significance of an accountant in conjunction with the software. And, uh, you know, I, I think about fear, the notion of fear, so much of our fear comes from a lack of understanding, uh, or even assumption. And I, I remember yep. when I used to, to procrastinate when it came to even something like paying sales tax, I, what I realized was the moment that I went in to do this thing that I was just dreading doing, uh, I, I realized it only took me, it was only going to take me 15 or 20 minutes and, and I was done and I could move on. We tend to kind of build things up in our head because of uh, one misunderstanding or another because of assumptions that we're making. But the reality is it's probably not as bad as it may seem. And having somebody like yourself come alongside and say, hey, look, this is what this information means. This is how you handle this thing. I've got your back. I'm going to help you. Uh, that makes all the difference in the world to feel like somebody's on your side, giving you a hand, especially with something that, that you may not fully understand. So I'm, I'm glad that you pointed that out. When it comes to setting goals, I mean, this is, again, a theme that has been running through our, our podcast episodes. And, and I love that you make this point, the significance of setting goals. And I think it, it really starts with the personal or the individual goals that this that this business owner may have, understanding what they're trying to actually accomplish with their life, their their so-called why, uh, their value system, let that trickle down and affect the business model that they're then going to build. And, and like you said, they could have just gone out and gotten a job. Why is it that they're even doing photography in the first place? They have to understand that. There's going to be a pretty deep understanding of that because running a business can be difficult. If you just got into photography because you love equipment or you quote, like art or you know whatever it might be, that's only going to carry you so far that that so-called passion may only carry you so far. Having a bigger picture, why a meaning that drives what you do is so, so important. And then ultimately, 
once you've developed that business model based on those personal goals, you can establish the, the target clientele that you're going after. And then you can also set yep. the appropriate financial goals, understanding uh, how many clients you have to book. If you're a portrait photographer, a wedding photographer, a commercial photographer, or otherwise, you understand specifically the target market that you're going after, what you can charge them, and then how many of those clients you need to book in a year based on the financial goals that you have personally and professionally. It, it really is about understanding your goals, the bigger picture that is going to enable you to be a much more successful and, and healthy business. And uh, so I'm glad that you make that point. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's all those things are, if you're driving your car at night and your lights aren't on, it's, it's, it's going to run off the road. So it's like all of these things are your lights. You have to like know where you're going. Ooh, you have I love to that. have I literally just came up with that. Off, I, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great analogy. It, it really is. I mean, uh, it, I use horrible analogies all the time. That one wasn't, that one wasn't off. <laughs> well, I have to say again, from personal experience, I know what it's like to, to drive in the dark, uh, and, and both literally yeah. and figuratively, but sadly, literally when it comes to, to running a business, I mean, just, and, and this, I've said this on the podcast before, my biggest shortcoming as a, as a business owner, as a photography business owner was not being more proactive when it came to my fin finances and managing finances, because we were actually doing really well when, you, when we were looking at our, our at least our, our gross revenue. But at the end of the day, we weren't taking care of the rest of it um, consistently. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that ultimately hurt us in different ways. And, and so yeah. turning those lights on uh, figuratively yeah. and, and literally uh, is so absolutely yeah. vital. And, and somebody like yourself uh, your accounting firm can can help photographers do that. It's also nice to know. I'll just kind of throw this this extra plug in for you. Uh, this certainly wasn't planned, but but you know to know that you've got an accounting firm and a CPA who knows your business, knows your industry, knows what you're going through is is really that makes a big difference too. Because if you're just kind of randomly choosing a CPA uh, or an accounting firm uh, just based on you know some something that you found online or maybe just an individual referral from somebody random uh, that that's yeah. that's it, it brings a whole different um, level of of fear and apprehension along with that versus meeting with somebody that you know understands your business how things work what your yeah. fears are what your struggles are uh, it makes all the difference yeah. in the world so speaking of I, that I go, appreciate that oh no absolutely and, and I'd love for you to go ahead and share the information about uh, both your website social media maybe any resources that our listeners can go to online yeah so um, you know we're we're an accounting firm so our social media game is way worse than pretty much every person listening to this. Uh, but it's good for an accounting firm, I think. Um, that's a caveat I'll use. Oh, and I did, before I actually say that, there's one, the one other thing I did want to mention is, you know, having a good accounting is good and important, but the concept of having a team around you, in addition to an accountant, have a, have a lawyer that you trust to remove contact, have a, a financial planner, having that team I think we, we believe in that team concept of basically um, surrounding yourself with people that do things well that you don't necessarily do well. I, I do this in my own business. I think it's super important. Um, I, I recognize I don't do everything as good as I can, and I need to surround myself with people that are great in areas that I'm not great. Um, and I know you you listen to Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk, and that that concept of like, you know, focus on what you do really well and get people around you that, that do 
things you don't do well. I, I, I do believe in that that concept a lot. Well, and, and I have to add that that comes from actually making an effort to get out and connect with people. And, and I was reminded of this, yeah. uh, and really I'm reminded of it on an ongoing basis. Uh, in fact, I even just posted something on my Instagram account about it today, but I was at a, a photographer get together, a local photographer get together yesterday. And, and one of the photographers was talking about the, the value in getting to meet with other photographers who have this particular strength or that particular strength. And you may be able to benefit from some of the information that they share th- through social media, but there is absolutely nothing to replace that in-person interaction. And it amazes me the excuses that photographers yeah. will make f- to not drive 20 minutes to go to a restaurant or to a coffee shop yeah. to meet with people when the reality is that community, right. that photography community in your area is is kind of like that team that you're talking about. They can kind of rally behind you and help you and encourage you. Absolutely. And by the way, and maybe this, maybe the audience already knows this, but oh, let me just say it because I find it amazing. Is like there, there is no other business community like this. Like you have this podcast, which is amazing. I'm a huge fan of it, by the way. But it's it's a, a small business photographer forum for all this information where people are sharing these ideas and you know photographer you know one of the reasons um our business has grown is because of our own clients that have that know all these other business owners and communicate and work together there's not an industry there's not a lot of other industries that operate in this communal let's share information let's share resources way like it's it's really rare and really amazing. Like there's not a small business accounting podcast that like a bunch of me is listening to. Like <laughs> you know, talking about ideas about how to grow our business and things we do well and things we don't do well. Like this is an amazing. It's an amazing. I don't know how long this photography community just in general. And I know it's like from state to state and city to city, but we we are amazed at at how, you know, especially the really successful photographers like they network with people that are really their competition and they work together, they hire each other. Like it's, it's wild and it's great. I think it's like, you can really improve your business and you can, can really uh, benefit from the knowledge and the skills of, of your competition. It's kind of, kind of wild. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, I've I've been lucky to be a part of the industry for close to, I guess, seventeen years or so now, and and we've seen that that move in the direction more and more of community over competition. This is something that a, a group called the Rising Tide Society. You hear that phrase from them quite yeah. a bit, but um, the yep. significance of community over competition, rallying around each other, supporting each other, and then as we were talking about, looking to others to kind of fill those gaps in in your business and maybe even in your personal life too. Things yep. things that maybe you're not as good at. There are others out there who are good at those things. They can help. They can share. They can share from personal experience. They can give advice. Uh, and you need to make sure you take advantage of that. So that's that's really really good. But I want to make sure that we we get your information out there. So share your website, oh, share yeah, that, yeah. share share the social media. Let's make sure that everybody can find you. You got it. You got it. So our uh, our our website is just the name of our company, engagecpas.com. E N G A G E C P A S. Yes, um, yeah, our uh, that's our Instagram, also at engagecpas. Um, and on Facebook as well. So yeah, definitely check us out. We have, um, like I said, you know, we try, uh, we try to just highlight our clients and, and all the cool stuff that they're up to, you know, when they win awards or when they get 
published or when, you know, something silly or funny happens. Like we, we're, we're loose. We're a pretty casual firm. We try to keep, we try to, you know, make that. We just actually had a, <laughs> we just had a headshot photo shoot um, yesterday. One of our clients came out and did, and uh, you'll, if you just look at a couple of the pictures of the photo shoot, you'll get an idea of we're not a typical accounting firm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if anyone has any questions. I, or, I think um, there's toilet paper involved, isn't there? There, no, it's come on, that's adding machine. Oh, is that? (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny, actually, because that's what it looks like in the picture. That's hilarious. Yeah, so I'm notorious. I have a large adding machine that I have on my desk, but also when I go out to clients, it always comes with me. And if like I travel, I go on a plane, like I literally have to put this ginormous thing through uh, security at the airport. But and a lot of our clients get a kick out of it because it's it is sort of ridiculous, but it's. I mean, I will challenge anyone in a number adding competition. I, I think I'll win with this thing. So it's, uh, it, it keeps me efficient, but it is kind of silly. Well, I, I am mind. We'll have to make sure. Certainly, we'll link to these accounts and and the the website uh, in the show notes. But I, I have to tell photographers go check out the the Instagram feed. I'm actually on it right now, and it, it is quite entertaining. And uh, I, I again, I love that you guys kind of break the mode of the or the mold rather of the the stereotypical uh, financial firm. Uh, you guys make sure you go check out Engage CPAs. Thank you so much, Michael, for making time for the Book of Podcast today. Really can't thank you enough. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.